Welcome to Destination Church Belfast's weekly podcast. For more information about our church, you can find us on the web at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk. You can also join us every Sunday morning at 10.30am at Mosley Pavilion. Now for the message. Good morning, if you'd like to take your seats. So there was uh, one announcement that was missed, which actually will work quite nicely. On uh, tomorrow night, we have um, introduction to DCB, and we're going to be meeting in Bothy Coffee Shop, which is in Molusk. Now, we've already got one punter who's going to be there. If you're planning to go, if you can let me know so that I have enough handouts printed out. Um, and we're big into detail. Now, it's not about personality, because... My personality would not be about the detail at all. But we have a high value on detail so that you know who we are, what we're about, and why we do the things that we do. Okay, so tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. Now, we have a baptism, two baptisms coming up. Um, Yay! Which will be great. Um, It's going to be my first as well, which is tremendous. The firsts of us are always a great experience. I want to give you a little bit of information um, about baptism just to help you along and to help you understand where we stand in terms of baptism. Um, So that if it's something that you think, do you know, actually, I want to do that, then please come and talk to me. And that doesn't have to be a, I'm not going to ping the light on like in Cracker and say, okay, where were you born? When were you born? What was it like? What are you wearing today? I'm just going to chat with you and see where you're at. So um, in our membership document, it says this, um, what are baptism and communion actually about? Jesus asked his followers to participate in remembering his death and resurrection in two ways, baptism and communion. You all know about communion. If you haven't been here for communion, then we, we have it on the first Sunday of the month, so come next week. So baptism, why and how should we be baptized? Even Jesus was baptized as submission to his Father's will, and Christ requires that we be baptized as our first act of obedience. It's a visual picture of Jesus Christ's burial and resurrection, and this is Colossians 2.22. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Baptism does not make you a believer. It is a sign that you already are. And we understand that for many from the traditional background, you may have been baptized as an infant, um, and you may feel, well, that's an experience I wasn't a part of, and I would like to be baptized as a believing adult. If so, we would love to baptize you. If you were baptized as an infant, and there's fruit in your life, and you're happy and content with that, we're happy and content with that too. Okay? So there's two stances, or well, three actually. The one that you've come to faith and you're a believer and you want to be baptized, and it's a sign to everyone that you are, and Jesus said that we should do it. Second one is if you were part of the more traditional church um, and they modeled infant baptism, of which you were a part, and you feel that you would like to be baptized as an adult because you, you feel you missed out on something there, we're happy to baptize you. Equally, if you were part of the traditional church, we're an infant and we're baptized and are bearing fruit of the Spirit in your life and you're happy with that, then we're happy with that too. Okay? So it's very exciting. I just can't express to you how wonderful it is that there are people in among us who would testify to being saved from something, have a testimony in their lives, and we're going to baptize them in front of you all. I just think that's glorious. So uh, invite your friends. It'll be great. And if you want to chat about it further with me, then feel free to do that. Okay? Okay. What did you say, Lorna? 
When is it again? It's going to be Sunday the 10th in the morning. So it'll be a slightly different service, but I invite your friends. Did I say invite your friends? Invite your friends. You know the specials? People maybe don't come to church, but Easter and Christmas seems to be one of, it's like, I don't normally have sugar in my tea, but it's Christmas. So why don't you, well, it's a Baptist, it's not normal, it's not normal church, it's not, come on. Well, I'm excited. There we go. Find a bit of liberty and a bit of freedom. So um, we are going to be talking about the new message series, which is da, 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 build and protect. We're going to be looking at Nehemiah. And as I was prepping this, I remembered this. It was either Christmas 2015 or Christmas uh, 2016 that Auntie Madeline, great Auntie Madeline, didn't know her that well before. When we moved up here, uh, because she lives a bit closer, she was able to come down and look after her children one day a week. And Auntie Madeline has a special place in there. She's brilliant. Um, But one of those Christmases, she gave me a book on Nehemiah. And I remember looking at it going, right, okay, that's great. I'll go into that part of the book. Closet, cabinet, shelf, thank you very much. Couldn't think of the word up at the front, feeling the pressure from everybody to find a word. So I said, thank you. Um, And my soul was pretending. We're learning about dividing between our soul and our spirit, aren't we? The word of God living and active, Hebrews 4.12, soul and spirit. My soul was like, thanks, Auntie Madeline. You could have given me a voucher or a couple of socks or something, but you gave me a book on Nehemiah. And my spirit went, there's something about that. I still haven't read that book. Oh, didn't expect that one. Thought that this was going to be some profound thing. We are going somewhere with this. A seed of a thought is often enough. Have you seen the film Inception? Can we have a show of hands? What did you think? Was it? I would never. Claire was out the other night, and I catalambanoed that opportunity because Claire's never going to watch a film like Inception. A because it has dark music and people are being shot at, and because she just doesn't like it's not funny and it's not humorous. So I sat there in my jammies with my laptop, doing a wee bit of research, watching Inception. The basic premise of Inception is that it's about a thought sown in a dream, or an idea can be stolen from a dream. So basically, they come into the dream, and they. It's very interesting about how dreams are constructed or how this film says they're constructed. But basically, they come in into a person's subconscious. Imagine that you're taking a lift and you go down to, say, the third or fourth level. And the deeper that you drop the thought in, the more dangerous it is to get there. But you drop the thought into the subconscious and that thought is the thing that can bring change and alter the course of a person's destiny. Ooh. So I haven't read a book on Nehemiah. But I was given the gift of a book on Nehemiah, and it was enough to start something stern. Now, we're talking three years ago, and I have to say, up to this point, this story about building and protecting and what Nehemiah actually did could be one of the most important message series that we've had yet. Are you with me? There are always two trees in the garden, and the tree that you eat from is the tree that dominates. God has planted his seeds, and the enemy has planted his as well. So there's all these different seeds of thoughts that come to us at different times, isn't that right? And often you can have the most horrific thoughts that will come in and if you ditch them out you'll be fine because you're not going to play with them and they're not going to get the chance to germinate. But if you let those things germinate then they can become something that they don't actually need to be. Yes? You with me on that? If you're a gardener, which I am, I know you didn't know that, all right? But whenever a a seedling actually germinates, it's very, very hard to tell what the nature of the, the plant is until it gets to its maybe its second or its third leaf. 
So sometimes some thoughts will come in and you go, I don't know. Maybe that was a God thought. Maybe that was something that I actually need to sort of think about and listen to. But actually, if you have your eye on it, you'll be able to tell its nature by the time it's maybe got to its third or its fourth leaf. So you want to be aware of the thoughts. God's seeds should be allowed to germinate. The enemy's seeds should be removed. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, mind matters. You remember that series? About cultivating your mind and thoughts. Why am I doing this about Nehemiah? We don't know. That's a good answer. There is so much in the book of Nehemiah that is about the planting of thoughts and about action and about what you do with that. And actually what we miss half the time is, and what happened in the prayer meeting over there, we tapped into something that actually, if we really believe it, it would change everything. So you've got to make your decision whenever the thought comes. And I've said this so many times, but God will speak to you and he will speak to you in a context where your spirit has come alive. It's easier to make these choices here, isn't it? God's faithful. God's good. He's present. He's wonderful. He's got all the resources in the world. Then your washing machine dies. Somebody gets a horrible diagnosis. Something terrible happens in work and your soul's going, told you so, told you so. But whenever you're here, it's, it's easier. Because where people are together in unity, there the Lord commands his blessing. So he's here and he's enthroned by the praises of his people. And we're all of a common goal. And if you're not of a common goal, well, all the best with that. But we're going after him. But then we step into this world that is full of lots and lots of other things. And it's very, very hard. 2 Corinthians 10.5, we demolish arguments, every pretension, and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Jesus Christ. So we basically used to use the analogy of the five-pound note. You grab the five-pound note, and you hold it up to the light, and you go, yep, that's good. Or in the old days, they would have got the coin and bitten it. Something to test out whether that thought is actually good or it's not good. Now, here's a problem. If the enemy comes and tells you a wee bit of scripture, what are you going to do with that one? Jesus, God said that he, he would order his angels to protect you wherever you would go. Well, that's fine for me to go there then, because the Lord said he'd protect me. Little did you know that behind the reiteration of Scripture was the heart of a creature that was completely evil. So you've got to keep your wits about you. If you're living just thinking, sure, it's just my thoughts. Sure, it's, oh, well, you know, it's just, it's just solid. That's the only thing that exists. Then you're going to miss it. So this, this is a, you've got to wake up. You've got to wake up to the reality that there are two beings that want to sow into your life. Actually, there's the world, the flesh, and the devil. So you've got to be aware. What thoughts are actually going on inside your mind? You've got to be aware of it. You've got to manage it. And you've got to deal with foreign, uninvited, ungodly thoughts by violently forcing them out without tolerance to the leadership and lordship of Jesus Christ. Would you tolerate a thief in your house? Would you let, someone comes to the door, starts asking some questions, and you're thinking, I'm uncomfortable. And they said, can I come in? Would you just let them come on in? Come on in. Could you just come on in? And yet, because we're not aware that actually we do have the ability to get a hold of our own minds and the thoughts that we have, some of us are being robbed blind. And then we're saying, we're being robbed blind. And we're going, God, why am I being robbed blind? He's going, because you're tolerating a thief. 
So you've got to be aware of your thought life. How do you know which is which? Well, your soul man will happily accommodate what your spirit will not tolerate. Proverbs 15.4, favorite verse for me. A soothing tongue speaking words that build up and encourage is a tree of life. But a perverse or deceptive tongue speaking words that overwhelm and depress crushes the spirit. So we've all had that feeling. Thought comes in. We just have that yuck feeling. It's just like, ugh. And feels true. So I guess that means that it is true and we just walk on. Whereas if we're alert and we're awake, we're going to submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, and he's got to flee. Whether it seems true to our soul, which is our mind and our will and our emotions or not. So what happens when we do garden our thought life? We become increasingly aware of our thoughts, the frequency of them and the nature of them. And often you'll find that there's some, if your mind was a computer, there's some programs that have been running for the, really the entirety of your life and you've just tolerated it. And Jesus says, you know, you can kill that program and tell it to shut down and uninstall it. We close down unwanted damaging programs that have been running in the background of our lives and often the lives of our families for generations. And then also we recognize God's thoughts and we nurture them. So it's not, you know, actually... We're told that we are to capture every thought. That also means the good ones. When we capture a good one, we also bring it to the lordship and leadership of Jesus Christ. What do you think happens then at that point? If God just gives you a good thought and it's a God thought and it stays in your mind, I would put to you that nothing's going to happen. If you grab also that good thought and you take it to Jesus Christ, then he's going to bring leadership to you as you hold that thought and that thought matures. So you've got to let him do that as well. I, uh, okay, another gardening analogy. Can you bear with me? I love buying, buying plants that are cheap, because like cheap things, um, and go to the garden center, look for the area where the plants are brown and dead, and Claire is often like, what are you doing, Colin? And then I'll buy the smallest. If I have to pay full price, I'll buy the smallest one that I can. Claire's like, seriously, for an extra tenner, you could get one this size. Why do I do that? Because I love growing things, nurturing things. And why would you pay for something that if you care for, it's just going to grow anyway? I don't get that. It's about patience, okay? So I bought this grapevine in October. The grapevine was about eight pounds, which was brilliant. I've had tried to do it before. And uh, I planted the grapevine in the ground. I've actually lost some of you at this point. I'm looking across and there's some people who are playing match of the day inside of their head. <laughs> uh, oh, wrong bit. So I planted it in the ground in the greenhouse and I sneak out sometimes in the morning. I'll say, bye everyone. I'll go out and have a look and go, oh, look, there's so many bits that are starting to come out. And if there's any weeds come anywhere near that thing, they get nucked out right away. My vision for it is that it's going to go up and over the interior of the roof, which will bring shade, which is key for a greenhouse, especially in the summer months. And then also, if there's fruit, which I have hope for, although I haven't had success yet, the grapes are going to just fall down. At this point, you're all going, what on earth are you doing? Right. Why? Why am I telling you this? Because I want the grapevine to grow. So therefore I visit it, I care for it, I look at it, I am totally intolerant of anything that should not be around it. I'm even looking at the, at the strawberries going, your days are numbered. Because this space could be vital for this grapevine. So I apply I apply the principle that is present in what we're being told to do, which is I care for it, I look after it, I garden it, I give it what it needs, I don't let it be choked by anything else, I don't let any... How the heck did the seeds get from outside into my greenhouse? I don't know, but they do. 
You're like, how did you get in here? How do I know that they're there? Because I'm watching and I know that they're there. So we've got to apply that to our thought life. You've got to apply that to your thought life. Got to apply it to your thought life. If you miss anything or hear anything from today, you've got to apply it to your thought life. Don't feed the monster. Feed the presence of the Spirit of God in your life. Your spirit connected to his spirit in charge of your soul leading your body, not the other way around. Do you get it? Okay, some of you do. A few nods, that's good. Could be revival. Romans 8, 6 to 7, the mind of the flesh is death, but the mind of the spirit is life and peace because the mind of the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. So there's significance present in our everyday lives, and often what we do is we miss it. So we deem that the special moments are what we think are special moments. You know the way uh, most of the times that people talk about the, the kingdom of God in Scripture, it's this topsy-turvy. So the first or last and the last or first saves the best to last. If you want to be first, you put yourself last. If you want to find your life, you've got to lose it and die to yourself, okay? Now, what we do is, even I was thinking about this as I prepared it, we say that it's topsy-turvy. It's not we're the ones walking on the ceiling. Claire's looking at me going, what? What do you mean walking on the ceiling? Well, we live in this world, right? So we say this is the floor. Okay? Bear with me. We're going to head into conceptual reality here. Some people are going, anybody into Damien Hurst? Don't do it. Pull up, Colin, pull up. Ah, crashed and burned. We walk around saying that this is the floor and God says this is the ceiling. And we go, do you know it's really different in the kingdom of God because he says that this is the ceiling. What we miss is that if he says this is the ceiling, then we're walking in the wrong place. So it is completely topsy-turvy. So the kingdom of heaven is completely upside down. So God is active in your mundane and boring probably more than you can possibly ever imagine. Jesus went up the mountain, he was transfigured, and everybody went, oh, my goodness, look what Jesus has got on today. Rather than, no, you've missed it, that is who he actually is. So part of the thing about Nehemiah is if you are alert and awake in your life, then actually there can be adventures and journeys and possibilities and diamonds and treasures and just a world of endless, nothing's impossible with God. So if you keep an eye on your life, you might glean a lot more than you're actually missing. Be aware. Wake up to what God has hidden in the subconscious of your everyday life. Learn to listen to your thought life and the seemingly unimportant moments that drift in and drift out of your life. We're sitting at the dinner table. Uh, Anna says to Claire, Mommy, you should sing your heart out on Sunday. And Claire said, yeah, funny, I was thinking I should do that. Okay, that's just Anna. Sure. It's just her being a bit dramatic. If I said that to you, would it be different? Maybe this whole thing is about our ability to actually recognize him whenever he maybe looks totally unrecognizable. Maybe that's where he is. You know the people that just irritate the life out of you? I've, there was something happened during the week and I just thought, I just want to get away from them. I was washing my hands and my soul's just going, yes, you're right, you need to just get away from them. And the thought comes into my head, is there not something about even the least of these is who he actually is? 
So maybe if we opened up our eyes, stayed awake, stayed connected, that we could actually see that he's much more active than we ever thought that he was. So thoughts translate into words and actions, and words and actions translate into thoughts. It's like water. Water, when it's boiled, turns into steam. Whenever it's cooled, it condenses and it becomes water again. So if I have a thought, whether it's a God thought or a thought that's from another whole other place, that thought eventually played on will turn into action. Then that action has its opportunity then to turn back into a thought with you. Play it through your mind. It's right, isn't it? So someone comes along, the whole analogy, hurt people, hurt people. The message of the arrows. Somebody maybe doesn't answer our phone, and because they didn't answer our phone, we then go, oh, they hate me and reject me and don't like me, and I'm fat and ugly, and blah, 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 and off we go, and it's terrible. And then you find out that they actually had no charge in their battery, and was there any need for all of that? Or somebody's been hurt, they've experienced lots of rejection, they haven't dealt with that stuff, so they've learned unknowings to themselves to reject other people. So the thought becomes an action, and then to somebody else, the action becomes a thought. So this is how it goes viral. So let your God thoughts go viral. How did Nehemiah build, rebuild the walls in 52 days? Because the thought turned to action, and the action then turns to thought within the, the other people, and the thoughts turn to actions, and the actions turn to thoughts, and the thoughts turn to actions, and off we go. That's how it goes viral. For the unhelpful one, Jesus Christ breaks the cycle of the damaged thoughts and the person that's been hurt behind those thoughts that turn into action. He's done it for me. He will absolutely do it for you. And he's still doing it for me. So he breaks the cycle of the negative thoughts that you can't shake. Right. Are you ready for Nehemiah? Still with me? I know it's warm. If you need to stand up and walk around, you're welcome to do that. Nehemiah. Nehemiah had a thought. And we're going to read, this is Nehemiah chapter 1, and we're going to end, I think it's uh, chapter 2, verse 4. These are the words of Nehemiah, which mean God's comforts, who was the son of Hakaliah, which mean God waits for, or wait for God. So patience has a son, and it's called comfort. Patience has a son, and it's called comfort. If you wait, just wait. If you wait... Just wait. Some, I'm a, I'm a, let's just do it. Okay, we'll do it now. Should we do it now? Let's move up and move to Australia. Now. Let's do it now. Okay, right now. Let's do it now. If I learn to wait, that patience will have a son and that son's called comfort. And in this story, that son came as Nehemiah. God, in this whole book, I'm reading through it and studying it and as I keep going through it and keep digging and this is how you do this you just keep digging and you notice something you think what's that mean what would that actually mean when you translate it if you keep digging especially with the names and the months and the numbers and all of this there is a whole third dimension to this story don't miss the seemingly insignificant parts of your life because there's often more in than you can imagine just a book that I didn't really want from an aunt that I didn't really knew that went into that part of the bookshelf that I haven't even read. And here I am talking about Nehemiah. Just a thought. In the month of Chislev, which means fulfillment or completion of judgment, in the 20th year while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani which means inclined towards, it also means mercy and grace. One of my brothers arrived with me from Judah. So I questioned them. He was active about the remnant of the Jews who had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. 
Nehemiah's heart was with his people. His heart was with God's people because his heart was with God. Verse 3, and they told me, the remnant who survived the exile are there in the province in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burned with fire. The enemy had destroyed their boundaries. Dr. Cloud, um, he works with Cloud and Townsend, has written a whole series of books on boundaries. Do any of you, have any of you read any of those? They're absolutely fantastic. I've read many, many of them and they're really good. He said that boundaries keep the bad out and the good in. The enemy had destroyed their ability to receive and to protect and they were sitting ducks. How many of you are like that? How many of you feel that actually, do you know what? I can't say no or yes. I'm just going to let myself be walked over. See the analogy you used about the thief? I probably would let them come in because I would just feel guilty if I didn't. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept. I mourned for days, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. These guys that came to Nehemiah told him the truth and they spoke love in relationship. And Nehemiah had a deeply emotional response to the destruction and pain of his people and the pain that it caused him. We kind of, you know, we're emotional in one way and yet when it comes to emotions that are justified, we just kind of sweep them away. Think, do you know, I'm not actually justified to feel the pain of that thing. And the whole book hinges on chapter 1 verse 4. When I heard these words, said Nehemiah, I sat down and wept. I mourned for days, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. He took his pain to God. You've got to take your pain to God. Even if you don't think it's justifiable, let me challenge you. If something happens, somebody says something that's a seemingly thrown, thrown away. We've all been here, haven't we? A seemingly thrown away word that you really you know that you should react to, but it strikes you. Oh, that should have been a good slap. It hits you really, really, really hard, doesn't it? And it doesn't seem to hit other people. Am I on my own with this? Are you with me? Happens, doesn't it? What do you do? That pain is telling you that there's something that's broken in there. You have a choice, and what I've done for a lot of years is gone, I shouldn't really be feeling that, which is repressing the pain that is present. What I'm learning to do is to go, I go to God with that, because I'm experiencing pain, and I cannot translate my own pain. Imagine if I could speak, I don't know, I'm going to try, Cantonese, right, say, I'm sure they don't speak like that, but imagine it was, and I, I don't know what that language is, and I look around and think, uh, he needs to go to the bathroom. Uh, maybe that's what it is. Uh, he needs to go to the bathroom. So we, we issue this little Cantonese person to the toilets and they're looking at you going, I don't need to go to the toilet. I'm intense pain in my foot. Why are you making me walk on my foot? I don't need to go to the toilet. But because we're assuming and we're trying to translate it all by ourselves, we think that we know that we've got it when we don't know. So do you Nehemiah? Coin that one. Do you Nehemiah? Go do you Nehemiah, son. Do you, Nehemiah, and feel your pain and take it to the only place where it can actually be translated into something that makes sense. God is able to translate our pain into provision. Provision means for the vision. Nehemiah was in pain. It hurt. 
I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, God, let me serve you. Let me, I'll do whatever you ask. Okay, I need you to go and wound somebody here with the truth. Oh, I can't do that. That'd be awful. That'd be awful. You've no idea. If you wound that person in love, you're going to give them the provision that they've been praying for because that's going to spur them on to do the vision. The thought's going to turn into an action and you're going to change a nation just because you responded to what I asked you to do. Repressing it. Translating it yourself, you can't do it. You've got to experience it with God and only you can do that. So if you're in pain, stop trying to get other people to sort your pain out for you or make them pay for the fact that you're in pain. Got that t-shirt, anybody? I'm sure there'll not be a show of hands for that one. You've got to experience it. So the potential positive power of bad news. I would put to you, whatever happens... No matter how peak tongue it seems to go, I dare you to believe that God means what he says when he says, I will work everything together for the good of those who love me and are called according to my purpose. No matter what it is, where it is, the nature of the diagnosis, what goes wrong, who gets hurt, go to him with your pain. Don't deny your pain. And say to him, all right, you did it with Nehemiah. I believe that you can do it with me. Then I said, I pray, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of loving devotion with those who love him and keep his commandments. May your eyes be open and your ears be attentive to hear the prayer that I, your servant, now pray before you day and night for the servants, your servants, the Israelites. I confess the sins we Israelites have committed against you. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We've behaved corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, statutes, and ordinances that you gave your servants Moses. Nehemiah took personal responsibility, and it's hard to blame when you're in the presence of God. We have got to own our stuff. Stop dancing and say, all right, I've got it wrong and I've missed it and I'm sorry. Remember, I pray the word that you commanded your servant Moses when you said, if you're unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me to keep and practice my commandments, then even if your exiles have been banished to the ends of the earth, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people. You redeemed them by your great power and mighty hand. O Lord, may your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayers of your servants who delight in the reverence of your name. Give your your servant success this day, I pray, and grant them mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the cupbearer to the king. The thought moved to an action. So here's the question. What are you going to do? Have any of you seen the film K-Pax? It's an interesting one. And they're searching for this guy who you believe is lost, but it's a brilliant story. And at the end they said, well, you find him now, what are you going to do with him? So what are you going to do with that God thought that you have? That little seed that was popped in. You've all had them. I mean, I've had conversations with most of you. But what are you going to do? And one of the phrases I want, us, I want us to get about this story of build and protect is, are you sitting on the fence or are you going to build the wall? Oh, oh, Colin, it's too harsh. Well, with all respect, I don't care that it's harsh. What I care about is that the thought moves to action and the action moves to a thought and people get changed and people get whole and people get alive and people like this lovely lady say, do you know, I've found that I have the gift of choice. 
Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will bring forth your righteousness like the dawn and the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Psalm 37 verse 5. I think that God loves it. Do you know the times you go, I don't know what to do. I'm not, we've all been there. I don't know what to do. And you pray a lot and you get a lot of counsel and you're none the wiser. What's that about? Well, God's not just speaking. He's not speaking to me. Well, what counsel would I bring in that circumstance? I would say maybe he wants you to choose which might send you into a tailspin because you're like, that's not the God that I know. He's a God that gives instructions and plans. He's not giving instructions and plans. I'm messing with my theological word. What if he's waiting for you to go, Daddy, I'm going to do this. And he goes, there we go, my boy. Yeah, come on. That's it right there. I don't hear now, you know, this is part of the problem whenever you're reading something. You don't see the timeline. But I would put you that Nehemiah, it sounds like he went, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and do this. And it doesn't say in any bit here that God uh, audibly or internally responds to him and says, yes, my son, you have found my will for your life. I will give you what you ask from me. Because that's how the voice of the father sounds. Take that from you, Andre. He didn't. He just said, oh God, all right, let's go and do this. Stop waiting. For those of you who are standing wondering what to do, make a decision. Because you're not going to fail. Why are you not going to fail? Because you don't feel any of God's tests. You just go around the mountain. You don't need to be afraid of the loss of relationship because he loves you anyway. Everything together for the good of those who love him. And if it's about you stepping out into maturity and making a decision, how on earth, pray tell me, are you going to get it wrong? If part of the learning is make a decision. It's good. good. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm preaching today. Okay, now in the month of Nisan in the 20th year, Nisan is the month of beginnings. Of King Artaxes, could have said that much more dig- with much more dignity. When wine was set before him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. He continued to fulfill his duties, didn't he? He didn't say, King, God's called me to do something. I can no longer be your cupbearer. All right? No, he carried on. All right? So it doesn't mean that we have to. God's spoken to us. You come away after this, hopefully realizing, my goodness, I've had a God thought. This is going to alter anything. Well, what I'm learning, and I'm that personality type that wants to get on the horse and go, run right out as fast as I can. I have to learn to go, no, you keep going with what you're responsible for. I had never been sad in the king's presence. So the king said to me, why is your face sad though you're not ill? This could only be sadness of heart. So Nehemiah was transparent and he was honest. He didn't hide it. He just said it like it was. So when I ask you how you are, please respond to me in transparency, please. Honestly, it makes life a lot quicker. And do you know, you actually, you see, by not wanting to cause me hassle, you'll cause me more hassle. Because it'll only escalate into something that needs solved at three o'clock in the morning, all right? So if there's something wrong with you, just come and say, Colin, there's something wrong with me and I need to talk to you. I'm right there. See, whenever you say to me, uh, how you doing? You go, everything's fine, scrape. I'm going to take you at your word and walk away. He doesn't care about me. If he cared about me, he would notice. I did notice I'm taking you at your word. Nehemiah was transparent and honest. And then Nehemiah says, I was overwhelmed with fear. That's the reality, isn't it? We're all waiting for somehow for this fear to disappear. It's like we tell everybody, I want to move to Scotland. 
right? I want to move to Scotland. And then when we walk out after a couple of days and we greet someone, we say, how are you today? And they go, I'm fine. You're like, why is it not like this? Why is nobody all speaking like this and pretending that we're in Scotland? Because you haven't moved to Scotland. How do you move to Scotland? You get up off your bum, you pack your case, you get on a boat, you get on a plane and you go to Scotland. See, with fear, it's exactly the same. You get up and you walk on with that fear present and eventually what happens is, is you keep walking and you keep walking. That fear that stalked you all your life starts to leave and starts to dissipate. And the place that you want to arrive in is the place that you are because you kept going. So Nehemiah was overwhelmed with fear. I am going to finish, I promise. Feel the fear and do it anyway. That's a life that's letting itself be spirit-led. You've got to step up and you've got to put your foot down. If you're waiting for your emotions to change, you're being deceived. It's like saying that you're moving to Scotland and not moving anywhere and then being shocked that nothing has actually changed. Let me move on down here. Don't underestimate the power of continual connection. Nehemiah and this whole process was connected to his God and he was bold. If you read on, I'm not going to read it now for time, but if you read on there, um, verses 5 and 8, where he goes through and says what he says to the king, which is basically, king, thanks very much. I wonder, could you send me? But as you send me, could you really give me the equivalent of the resources of a couple of million pounds? And while you're doing that, could you write me some letters that mean that I go? Is that all right with you? So Nehemiah was bold. He knew that it was God that had put it in his heart to do what he was asked to do. We've got to learn to be bold, haven't we? We've got to learn to expect more and not less. Do you know how many times in work that I come home and Claire says, is there any chance that you could? And I'm like, oh, not again. And she says, why don't you just ask? And I would say nearly 10 times out of 10 when I ask, there's favor there. And they say, that's okay. I'm going to work with you to do that. But actually left to my own devices, I wouldn't even ask the question. So one of the things that we need to learn from Nehemiah is that we've got to expect more and not less. You're acting like you're a beggar on the street when you're actually a prince and a princess in a palace. Could I get you guys to come and join me? Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Hebrews 4.16 And Ephesians 3.20 Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Our job is to be obedient, to fear God and to not fear men. Proverbs 29.25 Fear of man will prove to be a snare but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Men of power will yield to the man of God or woman that is not afraid of them. And Nehemiah said, And because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my requests. So here's the thing. Would you like to stand with me? You have everything that you need exactly where you are. If Nehemiah had been waiting for the circumstances and for the sign of the provision, nothing would actually have happened. But because Nehemiah took his, or his God's word, then he stepped up and he discovered that he had exactly what he needed, exactly where he was. So your story starts right here and right now. Are any of you at all in the place of, it sounds like we were starting there in the potter's house or the, the whirly it's all right. Sorry, that was meant to be slightly funny, but it's all right. So we've got to start exactly where we are. God dwells in reality 
and not in fantasy. So as always, I have some questions to help you to respond. Do you need to learn to hold your thoughts captive? Are you often afraid of what other people think rather than focusing on God's love for you? And then finally, do you want to embrace where you are and the grace of God that's present there? If you can answer yes to any of these questions or you simply want ministry, please come and join me now at the front. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence among us this morning. Lord, and we ask you that in this moment that you would increase your presence. We ask for a boldness to come on us this morning in the reality of our circumstances and not in where we think you will be at some point. Come Holy Spirit. team are going to be releasing this morning the boldness of belief so I want to dare you to believe that it's possible the seeds of the thoughts of transformation of transformation for others of things you could do different to where you are I dare you to believe so team if you'd like to begin to minister we're ministering the boldness of belief You've been listening to Destination Church Belfast's weekly podcast. For more information on our church, you can find us on the web on www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk. Thank you for listening.